Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Exurga deus disipentur inimici eius, et fugiancio deruntium a facia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. <clears throat> it's a much more secular topic than I wanted to be talking about today. However, it does seem to be vaguely important. We're going to be dipping back into Ukraine, but we're not talking about the atrocities that are going on in Ukraine, either those that are being you know, conducted by the Russians or those by the Ukrainians. And for those of you who think that there are not atrocities being committed by the Ukrainians because, well, Russia invaded them, Apparently, clearly, you do not understand the nature of war. War is an atrocity. Physical violence, bombs and rockets and bullets and knives and guns and swords, they are atrocities. And there are further circumstances that tend to exacerbate these atrocities. And they happen on all sides. However, it would seem that Russia is taking great care to not exacerbate any net any more than necessary which the same cannot be said about the ukrainian side <clears throat> but since the ukrainians are the underdog many people are typically willing to give them a pass and since it is in fact war and i do understand the nature of war i am willing to give them a pass for the most part myself it is war we can debate all of the smoke-filled coffeehouse crap topics later. It is simply the other things. See, because one of the reasons why I've been reticent about diving into this is because there are other things at play. And those things I want to go into today. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequiti amit insidias, diabolias a praesidium. Imperatili deus supplicas de precamor, duque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos quia perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum netrude. Amen. Cor Iesu Sacratissimo Miserere Nobis. Mater dolorosa ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus et Domo Austriae, 
ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facem tuum et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So, give yourself a moment to sort of skim across the top of all of the news coverage, all of the social media, all of the public, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, public opinion that seems to be circling around Ukraine. Isn't it funny that everyone's saying the same thing? Coca-Cola stands with Ukraine. Visa stands with Ukraine. Facebook stands with Ukraine. Twitter stands with Ukraine. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the Democrats and most of the Republicans in Congress stand with Ukraine. The New York Times, New York Post, the Washington Post, etc., etc., etc. If you look across the whole thing, everybody seems to stand with Ukraine. And I say everybody because most of the people who don't stand with Ukraine are, at least for all intents and purposes, nobody. So, of course, Russia is nobody. Putin is nobody. The Russian people um, who are, you know, generally ambivalent about it or just, you know, they don't really want to discuss one way or the other. They're nobody. And to be sure, this podcast is nobody. And this podcast is nobody because the whole time, I just thought it was too convenient. It was too convenient that the COVID narrative seemed to be drawing to a close. And to be sure, it has not drawn to a close. We're still not done with the COVID narrative. Look around, you can tell. There are still people wearing masks. There are still people talking about social distancing. There are still people arguing as to whether or not our kids should be in school. COVID is not done. It's not over. Now, the disease, whatever, assuming it was ever really here to begin with, and I say assuming it was ever really here, I mean with a real impact. Like, what are you talking about? There's all those people who were diagnosed. And almost none of them died. I mean, 99.7% survived. So what are we talking about? <clears throat> but COVID wasn't done yet. COVID was, in fact, so not done yet that there was a big protest, you might recall, just a couple of weeks ago in Ottawa about the vaccine mandates and passports and the whole, like that whole spiel. Wasn't that long ago. It was only a couple of weeks ago when COVID was still very much in the public view. And, and COVID was rapidly replaced. And you could see it because they were beating the war drums for weeks about Ukraine. But by and large, if you look across the media today, what do you see? Ukraine, 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 Russia, 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 etc., etc. I mean, just continuing. And it's a common narrative because it doesn't actually matter whether you're on Fox News or you're in, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, or any of the other largely discredited outlets. The fact is, is that all of them have thrown their hat in with Ukraine. And you're a Putin apologist, you're a anti-American, you're a whatever, I mean, take your pick, whatever, racist, bigot, homophobe, istophobic, phobophobic, nomophobic, whatever, who cares? <clears throat> but you don't dare speak out even to ask, hey, wait a minute, what's really going on? And that right there should have been the clue. 
It should have been the clue that as soon as you're on the side of both Lindsey Graham and Chuck Schumer, as soon as you're on the side of both Mitt Romney and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, as soon as you're on the side as, as the same side as Facebook and Twitter and the Central Intelligence Agency, as soon as you're on the same side as Hillary Clinton and George Soros and Bill Gates, as soon as you're on the side of Klaus Schwab, you need to stop and look. Because it's not brave to be pro-Ukraine. Bravery would be if I came out and said, I'm with Vladimir Putin. That would be bravery. And to be sure, I'm really not. But that would be what bravery would look like in America today. Bravery would look like I stand with Vladimir Putin. That's what it would look like. It would look like I support Russia's argument against NATO. It would look like, now I do actually support Russia's argument against NATO, so I suppose in that aspect I am the bravery that I'm talking about, but this isn't about me. All you really have to do is you have to stop, look, ask yourself the question, are the people who are on my side known for being honest? Are they known for being truthful? Are they known for being freedom-loving people? Are they known for being moral? Are they known for being not hypocrites or liars or despots or tyrants? And the answer to that question is no. And again, I'm not talking about all of the, like, I'm not talking about the traditional Catholics that I see on Twitter who've decided to put the flag of Ukraine in their, in their, in their, um, you know, uh, what you call it, on their Twitter handle or in their name. I'm not talking about them because most of you, honestly, let's be real, in the context of this, you don't count. So you can stand with Ukraine all you want. I'm not about to stand with Russia necessarily. <clears throat> but you have to actually look at things evenly. And in one fell swoop, and just as I anticipated, many people got swept up into the, well, we have to be patriotic, we have to support blah, blah, blah. We, and of course, America has this penchant for supporting the underdog. And absent the United States and NATO's involvement in Ukraine, I honestly would believe that, NATO, that Ukraine were the underdog, and I would be supporting them wholeheartedly. If, let me say that again. If the American government and NATO were not meddling, if the European Union and the U.S. and NATO and Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum were not meddling with NATO, if George Soros was not meddling with NATO and it was just Ukraine versus Russia, you damn right I am on the side of Ukraine because I am behind the underdog 100% of the time. But I question Ukraine's underdog status when... You have Klaus Schwab, George Soros, the United States, NATO, and the European Union, all trying to figure out exactly where they're going to fit in because they all know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that they have been playing Ukraine and its citizenry and even its president for fools. And that's the point. I stand with the Ukrainian people. I pray that they fight bravely that they live well in a state of grace and they die well in a state of grace. And whether that takes them in, and whether death comes for them in combat or through, or the, through the resulting famine and starvation that always happens in the aftermath of war, I pray that they die well.
that they die in a state of grace, that they live in a state of grace. That's what I pray. I pray for the salvation of the Ukrainian people, and whatever happens on this earth, whatever, who cares? Again, the eternal should be our principal focus. But I have seen a lot of propaganda coming out from Western sources making Vladimir Zelensky out to be some supernational hero. And to be sure, he's an unlikely person who would suddenly find himself cast, suddenly find himself launched up onto the world stage as a war leader. But I have a long memory, and I remember that Zelensky's critics hated him because he was too much like Donald Trump. So my first question is what changed? Why is it all of a sudden that we're behind Vladimir Zelensky? Why is it that we're not actually looking maybe to overturn his government? What is exactly going on here? And why is it that if I say I stand with Russia on Twitter, I will have my account canceled? And as I said, I don't really stand with Russia. But that's one of the questions that you should ask yourself. The second question is, is if you can listen to an audio clip of Glenn Beck talking about Ukraine, or not Ukraine, talking about Russia, talking about the things that Vladimir Putin has done since he's taken power, if you can listen to what he's done and disagree. Because here's the thing that nobody ever considers. Nobody ever considers the idea that Putin might be, might be being made out to be the bad guy, this evil, evil, despot, dictator, tyrant, by the same people who want you to own nothing, eat bugs, live in the pod, and be happy. And I don't care whether you think that's crazy talk. It is a fact that the same people who want you to live in the pod, the same people who want you to eat the bugs, the same people who want you to own nothing and be happy to have no privacy and you'll be happy to have no autonomy and you'll be happy to have no personal agency and you'll be happy. The very same people are the ones who are telling us that Vladimir Putin is a tyrant. And he may be. It's possible. It's likely. I mean, the guy's former KGB, you know, most people understand that the that the that the the Rokor, the Russian, the Russian Orthodox Church, is, you know, generally a branch of the KGB. Except that many of the people same people who say that, you see where we're ending up here? We're ending up with the fact that we have a whole bunch of sources that have all, every last one of the major sources who would who ought to be able to be approached for an honest assessment as to what's going on, every single last one of them have discredited the, had discredited themselves fully. You see where the problem is? The problem is, is I don't trust the World Economic Forum to do anything but continue to try and take over the world and put you in the pod and make you eat the bugs. And I don't trust Vladimir Putin because I don't really know the guy. What I do know of the guy is a problem. Not for him, but for me. 
Because as a traditional Catholic, I am a literal authoritarian. I believe that there is an authority and that that authority should be obeyed because it is the rightful authority. You're not going to get around that part. You cannot be a traditional Catholic and not somewhere deep down deep understand that you are an authoritarian. You are not a totalitarian, and the decided difference is actually the totalitarian is outside the legitimate structures of hierarchy and authority, the ones that were clearly established by God. Okay, so a totalitarian is different from an authoritarian. And all of these morons who like to use both interchangeably, like there's not a huge spiritual, real, moral difference between the two, only prove themselves to be absolutely retarded. <clears throat> and, sad fact, that's almost everybody. I will use words like tyrant and despot. I will use words like dictator. And I will use words like authoritarian, totalitarian, and the like. But I do not use them interchangeably. Because one does not equal the other. Fascism does not equal communism. Fascism does not equal socialism. Democracy does not equal communism, or socialism, or fascism. These things are not equal, and they cannot be used interchangeably by anyone who has a brain and is expected to be taken seriously. Period. End of story. There's a thesaurus, and you really ought to use it. There is a thing called a dictionary, and, well, I mean, granted... You don't want to use any of the current ones in digital print because they're being maneuvered about by the day, but you definitely want to understand the root of the word and use the word properly. So, is Putin authoritarian? Maybe. He may have the actual legitimate authority. I'm not sure. I don't really under I don't know. I haven't read anything about the Russian structure of government. I suspect he is the lawful authority. From what I understand, Putin's job is to command the military. What I understand, from what I understand, there is also a Russian prime minister who has a separate set of, of, of uh, authorities. So there are, in fact, two leaders in Russia. I don't know the politics of the prime minister. I don't know if the prime minister is a totalitarian or if he is an authoritarian or if he's just some dude who's another jerk-off bound to the World Economic Forum. I suspect... I suspect he is a lawful authority. Now, let's go through the list of people who are not lawful authorities, the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, those first and foremost. They do have authority, but they have also abused their authority, and for at least the last several years, I have been advocating for their complete and total disbanding. 
I don't want to hear of these three-letter agencies again. And it's not just them. It's the ATF, the DEA, the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, the DIA. Well, the DIA can stay. And the IRS. All of them can go. You're not going to phase me in the slightest if you deleted them all tomorrow. The president is not supposed to have the authority that he has been using, which is weird because the way he's been using the authority, he has proven that he is probably a puppet. Probably a puppet of who? Well, his presidential campaign was billed back better on like the five days in the whole campaign season that he did campaign. Weird. Now, I know I don't like Build Back Better. I know that I don't like anybody associated with that. So that includes John and Tony Podesta. That includes Terry McAuliffe. That includes Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg. That includes Hillary Clinton. Basically, anybody, any politician who has a D behind their name. It includes every last one of them. Except maybe Tulsi Gabbard. Jury's out on her, too. I like her. I think she's pretty. I think she's very well-spoken. And for the most part, you know, she seems rational. But the World Economic Forum is not a lawful authority in America. The United Nations is not a lawful authority in America. They're also, they're also not legitimate authorities in my life. So anything that they say or do or expect, they can go pound sand because I don't care. And anyone who's with them, they can go pound sand because I don't care. And if you come at me, you better come at me with overwhelming force because otherwise I will make you pay for it in ways you never thought possible. Oh wait, isn't it weird? That seems like, that seems very similar to the language that Vladimir Putin's been using lately. So who has the World Economic Forum been backing? Well, they've certainly been backing NATO. They've certainly been backing the United Nations. They certainly have been backing a lot of the things that we didn't want to have anything to do with. We didn't want to have anything to do with vaccines. We didn't want to have anything to do with vaccine mandates. We didn't want to have anything to do with masks and mask mandates. We didn't want to have anything to do with travel restrictions. We didn't want anything to do with any of the crap, school closures, anything. I mean, I can run down a list of all of the things that these people have done that have been very detrimental. Now, did Vladimir Putin do some of those same things in Russia? I don't know because I wasn't looking. Because honestly, I didn't care. Because Russia's business is Russian business. It's not American business. Now, they crossed the border into Ukraine. And in so doing, they've exposed some serious, serious calamity-level weaknesses, both in their own systems, but in more importantly, in Western systems. Why? Better question. Why is it that when those weaknesses were exposed, none of the world leaders took action to prevent the collapse. Think about this for a moment. Joe Biden, on day one, shut down the, fifth, the Keystone XL pipeline. Within 50 days, he had, he had shut down 
a whole slew of new oil exploration and exploitation contracts, plus distribution and refineries and the whole, like, I mean, like really just took a solid shot at the oil and gas industry in the United States of America. Okay, by itself, not unreasonable. Well, I mean, it's unreasonable when you think of why, but by itself, shouldn't throw up too many red flags, except for the fact that everybody who actually likes to fill up the put gas in their car and be able to make it to work and be able to heat their homes and be able to, you know, cook their food and be, able, you know, I mean, there's like, there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't realize is interconnected with all of that stuff to include being able to have the fabrics. Most people don't know that a lot of fabrics are at a minimum treated with fossil fuels and at a maximum, many fabrics are actually made from fossil fuels. <clears throat> the fabrics, the paints, the construction materials, the maintenance materials, the things like there are so many things that a lot of people don't realize that fossil fuels go into that we really like, oh, we're going to stop this, that, and the other. And you don't realize exactly how stupid of an idea that is. But notwithstanding all of that, you can almost look past it. I mean, you could even look past independently that whole debacle that was the closeout of Afghanistan. You can even kind of look past that. Except that when we started to feel the crunch about a month and a half ago, what did they do? They went out and they said, well, we're going to talk to OPEC and see if they'll increase their oil production. And we're going to talk to Russia and see if they'll increase their oil production. Okay, that's fine. A couple of months ago, not a big deal. But as the same time that they're doing that, all of a sudden you just hear this, this drumming in the background that just starts to get louder and louder and louder as you suddenly realize that the people who have made all of these decisions are now all of a sudden beating the war drum because supposedly Russia is going to invade Ukraine. And of course we, the people did not take them seriously because these are the same people who lied about COVID. These are the same people who financed the development of COVID-19 in the Wuhan lab and then hid the fact that they financed the development of the COVID-19 of COVID in the Wuhan lab. They hid their involvement, their financial involvement. They stepped all over and tried to trample down into non-existence hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, quercetin, vitamin D, zinc, sunlight, activity, natural immunity, and a myriad of other well-known, long-established medical facts in order to push their vaccine narrative. And it was first the vaccine narrative, and then it was the vaccine itself, and then, finally, it was the mandatory vaccine and the vaccine passport. And these are all the same people. The problem is, is these are also the same people who gloriously botched the withdrawal from Afghanistan. So they have a long track record because they didn't just botch the withdrawal from Afghanistan. They were like, no, everything's going to be perfectly fine. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be seeing the things, you know, like the, like the, like the Chinook helicopter lifting off from the roof of the U S embassy in Saigon. You're not going to see instant replays in that. And then seven days later, what did we see? We saw an exact instant replay of a Chinook helicopter, same freaking helicopter too, taking off from a U.S. embassy in Kabul, exactly, and actually from the camera direction, even flying in the same flipping direction as the original helicopter was in Saigon. So needless to say, the credibility was shot, and so when Russia did 
finally go in, what did we say? We went, ah, what? We were caught by surprise. We were caught with our pants down. We were caught completely unbeknownst. And I know that's not the right context for unbeknownst, but whatevs. You get the idea. Of course it was shocking. Of course it was shocking. Of course we were surprised. We didn't expect it. We'd been lied to for two consecutive years. FYI sidebar, seems that there's some significant evidence that the 2020 election was, in fact, stolen. And what's real fun is that Vladimir Putin believes that the election was stolen as well. Now, of course, that does support the media's narrative that Trump was a Russian stooge, except that, I don't know, none of this stuff happened under Donald Trump. We didn't have an oil shortage. We didn't have massive inflation. We didn't have a whole, like, we didn't have a whole bunch of stuff that we suddenly have to deal with now. And in part, he's partially to blame, but in the same way that they set up George W. Bush at the closeout of his presidency as a lame duck, they did the same thing to Donald Trump, only they did it in a much, much shorter time period. And the whole while, they were beating the drum, talking about how Trump was a Russia stooge. Okay, sure. Same people. Jim Clapper, James Comey, Peter Stroke, and all the other people in all, and all of the other usual suspects who have been involved in all of the scandals and who have yet to be drawn and quartered like they deserve. I don't even, at this point, I'm beginning, as, the longer we go without them actually going to trial, the more I'm just thinking about foregoing the trial. Maybe we should just skip past it and go straight to the execution with these people. Because the sooner we get rid of all of them, the sooner the silence resettles over the earth and maybe, just maybe, we can get back to something that vaguely resembles sanity. However, that's unlikely. <clears throat> but through all of this, this is the same people. This is the same people pushing the Great Reset. This is the same people who did the... This, these are the same people who said that China wasn't eventually going to be a major economic powerhouse of a threat. In fact, I mean, even... Even up until like the last year before the election, Joe Biden was talking about how China wasn't going to eat our lunch, man. Come on, man. We all remember him saying it. Except for the fact that Joe Biden is provably the most corrupt president in history. Provably the most corrupt president in history. Meddling in Ukraine funneling billions of dollars and siphon funneling billions of dollars secretly into Ukraine while siphoning millions of dollars secretly back to himself. Burisma trading, Hunter Biden. We know this. We already know it to be true. We already know that, that Roslyn Capital, an equity firm, despite the fact that Hunter Biden has absolutely no knowledge about what equity is, I don't even think he can spell equity, assuming you can get the crack pipe out of, him, out of his mouth long enough to put a pencil in his hand. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden took in millions of dollars. A one and a half billion dollar government contract with what government? It wasn't the United States government. It was the Chinese government. 
and then proceeded Rosemont, excuse me, Rosemont Seneca, not Roslyn Capital. <clears throat> Rosemont Seneca. Rosemont Seneca then turned into his his personal bank account, his personal well, more not so much his personal bank account, but the personal bank account of one Joseph Robinette Biden, as all of that money that was going to Hunter Biden was paying for Joe Biden's clothing, his food, his house, his transportation, um, you know, paying his gas bill. I mean, everything. Does all of this sound strange? It shouldn't, because it's all provable. And you can just mosey your way on over to the New York Post and actually look at all the information. If you don't want to go there, you can go over to, uh, you can go ahead and get Peter Schweizer's book, Caught Red-Handed, or Red-Handed, where he details in one chapter of the book, because he's mostly talking about all the other, all the other corrupt politicians in that book, but he details in one chapter of that book many of the corrupt dealings of Joe Biden, which are provable, and yet, for some reason, weird, still haven't been prosecuted, but whatever. If you don't like that one, you can go back to his book called Secret Empires, which he wrote several years ago, detailing, again, all of these exact same things. It's kind of a tragedy that more people don't know this, but if you don't look, then of course you don't know. If you don't want to know, then of course you're not going to know. And if you refuse to look, you cannot be surprised when you get completely brain-broken by Build Back Better World Economic Forum political mainstream propaganda. And the ultimate question that you have to ask yourself is why? Why now? Why this? And here comes a set of answers. The globalists in the technocratic union are making an an all-in bet. It is their second all-in bet. They managed to they managed to get some very significant dividends from the whole COVID thing, and they think they can manage to replicate at least as many dividends, if not actually gain all of the cards, all of the chips on the table with this with this gambit, because this gambit is designed if they can cancel Russia as a nation. then they can cancel anyone and they can effectively take over the entire world. So if they can get, if they can manage to unseat Vladimir Putin and they can manage to cancel Russia as a nation, then they know that they can then turn their eyes to China and they might be able to do the same thing there. However, if they are wrong and Russia and China manage to put something together where they can stabilize themselves outside and thereby establish a global parallel economy the problem that that is going to have is that everyone sees who can see everyone who can see sees what it is that's happening on the world stage right now what is actually going on you can almost hear all of these strokey beard people in their 3 3 a.m. strokey beard twisty mustache monocled meetings what it is that their intent is both for the world and for the people and if Russia and China and Iran and India can manage to successfully establish, not the way they did before the, the, the coalition of unaffiliated nations, but if they can successfully establish a safe and secure parallel economy that is outside of the interference of the World Economic Forum, NATO, the European Union, and all of the globalist psychopaths who are currently trying to take over the world, then the World Economic Forum and all of their ilk go bye-bye. 
if Russia can win, you don't have to live in the pod. You won't have to eat the bugs. And you might actually have a chance at owning something and being legitimately happy. I bet you didn't think that those cards were the cards on the table. I bet you didn't think that those were the chips. I bet you had no idea that these were the stakes of the game that was currently playing out in Ukraine today. And I will tell you, the saddest part of it is, is that all of the people of Ukraine, everyone who is taking up arms and everyone who is fleeing, they have no idea that they are currently having their status used as a pawn. Not in a war against Russia, between Russia and Ukraine, but they're being used as a rallying cry for the global so that everyone can get behind this movement. And if they can get everyone behind this movement, then they can shut Russia down. And if they shut Russia down, then they shut nationalism down. And if they shut nationalism down, that, that makes kill mark number two on the side of their airplane, kill mark number one having been populism, which they successfully exterminated with the Ottawa protests. Is this situation dire? Absolutely. It is every bit as dire as it seems. But it is not dire for the reasons that you think it is. None of this actually has to do with Russia. None of this actually has to do with Ukraine. In the same way that demonic possession has very little indeed to do with the person who is possessed, most of the time is the same way that this actually has very little to do with Russia and Ukraine. Why didn't Russia go into Ukraine under Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump asked the forbidden question. Donald Trump asked several forbidden questions. In fact, Donald Trump had this tendency to just go like a bull in a china shop in the global in like a bull in the globalist china shop. Let me put all those words in the right order. <clears throat> Because Donald Trump asked the question, he goes, why are we even still in NATO? There is no more Soviet Union, so why are we still in NATO? Oh, hey, by the way, we've got all these countries that are in NATO and none of you are paying your share. You, we're contractually agreed that every nation will put in 2% of their GDP. Most of you aren't even putting half of that. And the U.S. is putting in more than double to defend not the United States, but to defend you ungrateful bastards. So why are we even in NATO? There is no Soviet Union. And that question at the time seemed crazy, but it is still relevant because there is, in fact, no Soviet Union. We're not trying to stop the spread of global communism. We are the spread of global communism. So why is there still a NATO? And why would you need both NATO and a European Union? and the United Nations. Like, seriously, how many layers of protection, how many condoms do you have to wear in order to believe that you're actually having safe sex? And truth be told, we all know there's nothing safe about it. It's killing millions. Ah. <laughs> uh. We're still a little rough around the edges. 
I no sooner made that analogy and suddenly my brain flashed back to a message that I got from one of the listeners who made mention of the fact that I was not quite as rough as someone that she knew. And then I proceeded to make a very, very vulgar metaphor, but still prescient. Sorry. (laughs) The question remains, how many layers of protection do you need? How many, like seriously, how many organizations do you need committed to global diversity and equality and freedom and liberty and whatever other platitudes they're trying to sell us? I mean, seriously, think about this. we got the World Economic Forum, we've got the United Nations, we've got NATO, we got the Bilderbergs, we got <sighs> Republicans, Democrats. I mean, seriously, think, like, come on. How much do we really need? And isn't it weird that all these people who are in all these groups happen to all know each other? I mean, it's the Council of Foreign Relations that Joe Biden bragged about extorting political movement out of Ukraine. <coughs> and it's the Council on Foreign Relations <coughs> that are putting up most of the, Like, look. I don't have a chalkboard. I don't have a giant cork board where I can tie all these strings together and I can show you how these people are connected to these people or connected to those people who are also connected to these people who happen to be connected to the first people and also connected to the fourth people. Like, I don't have a visual representation where I could do that. And I got to be honest with you, like, if I were to do something like that, you would immediately see that this thing is so entangled that I would have to actually, like, no joke, it couldn't possibly be the very descriptive interconnecting web, but it would had but it would have to be that Caleb the mechanic was guano, was absolutely bat crap insane. <sighs> and it wouldn't matter if I could show you the pictures, and it wouldn't matter if I could show you the emails, and it wouldn't matter if I could show you the travel logs, and it wouldn't matter if I could show you all that stuff, because the fact is that there's a certain point when you look at this whole thing and you go. This is entirely too big for one person. This is too big for one podcast. And it is most certainly too big for us to consider. Except that this is a Catholic podcast, and our number one weapon is not nukes, it's not sanctions, it's not divestment or boycotting, it's none none of that. Our number one weapon is penance, prayer, and reparation. Our best weapon is the rosary. Our best best weapon is to strike our breasts and admit that we are not worthy and to beg Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, for mercy for our sins and the sins of the whole world. That's our best weapon. It's our number one weapon. It is our nuclear option. It's paradoxical, but true. Our nuclear option we keep in our pocket, we wrap around our we we hang around our neck, we tie to our belts if we're monks and nuns. Our nuclear option <coughs> is a cross with 59 beads. That's our nuclear option. And woe to he who's <laughs> Woe to he whose refuge is not the Lord. (coughs) Excuse me. 
What's really going on in Ukraine is this is a war between devils. But one of those devils is actually a Catholic separated brother. Unlike the Protestants, who've decided entirely to give up on anything even remotely resembling orthodoxy, unlike <clears throat> the Protestants, who in many cases managed to lend themselves to magic and witchcraft, like it's going out of style, it's in their methodology for prayer, for crying out loud. Unlike the Protestants, our separate, separated brethren are the Greek and Russian Orthodox. And if we had fraternal charity, then our nuclear option against the Greek and Russian Orthodox is not actually against the Greek and Russian Orthodox. It is for the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It is for our nuclear option is to go to First Saturday devotion in reparation for the sins, both our own and those in particular, of Russia, of Ukraine. Because remember that Russia and Ukraine, <clears throat> we talk about them like they're two separate countries because they're two separate countries now. But they're not two separate countries. Whether you're Ukrainian, where, whether you are Kievan Rus or you are Moscova Rus, you are still Rus. And whether you are from the, whether you are from the Patriarchate of Kiev or the Patriarchate of Moscow, you are still Orthodox and you are still brothers. You're still brothers in Christ. And the sooner that we get around to the whole consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the better. Because our brothers will finally come home. Because Russia will be converted. Because it's possible that we can do this in time for whole peoples to be saved. And by the way, just want to point out, <clears throat> there is a non-zero chance that Our Lady of the Rosary, when she appeared in Fatima and said whole nations would be destroyed, she was not talking about countries with boundaries. Because that is what that is not what natio means. Natio, the root word for nation, similar to nativity, is talking about birth and bloodline and birthright. It is likely that we're not talking about borders on a map suddenly being redrawn and whole words being erased. We're talking about entire branches of progeny. We're talking about families and clans and tribes. <clears throat> whole nations will be annihilated 
is more akin to the nation of Israel, which is to say all of the children of Jacob being annihilated. Because we would be talking about a bloodline. Whole nations will be annihilated. Probably more closely means the entire Habsburg lineage will be erased. The entire Bourbon lineage will be erased. The Windsors and the Tudors will be erased. Capiche? Do you understand what the ramifications actually are? <clears throat> because I don't think that Ukraine is going to cease to exist just because nukes go off and wipe everybody out of Ukraine. Because it's easy to just draw the line and say, well, the nation of Ukraine is still there as long as there's still one Ukrainian there. <clears throat> well, the Blessed Mother doesn't choose her words sloppily. In fact, she doesn't even use words that are not within the will of God. So whole nations will be annihilated means that entire bloodlines will be brought to nothing. And that's far more important in the eyes of the church, because <clears throat> political boundaries don't mean anything. But bloodlines do. The church is very big on lineage. It's very big on patrimony. It's very big on inheritance. It always has been. <clears throat> and, so in, and so, when Our Lady was speaking to Sister Lucia, it is likely, while she would have thought, while Lucia may have thought of it in terms of nations, but, you know, political boundaries, it's possible. It's unlikely. i got to be honest with you. Sister Lucia was illiterate. She couldn't read or write. She wouldn't know the difference. She may intellectually believe that there's a difference between the nation of Portugal and the nation of Spain. But the Spanish bloodline and the Portuguese bloodline are not separate. And so Ukraine might still exist. Because you could make the argument that when Yugoslavia was broken up into its constituent components, Kosovo, Serbia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Croatia, you could make the argument that because Yugoslavia ceased to exist, that Yugoslavia was a whole nation that was destroyed. But I don't think that's what Our Lady meant. Because when you're talking about na nations, even in the time of, even at the time of 1917, in fact, especially in 1917, when you're talking about nations, you're talking about cultures. You're talking about something more than just lines on a map. You're talking about languages. 
You're talking about mores and folkways. You're talking about traditions. Art styles. A type of a whole set of types of sense of humor. You're talking about things that are far more human than just nations. <clears throat> And that really is what's at stake. Because if, if the technocratic union of the West wins, whole cultures will be destroyed. And if Vladimir Putin wins, well, whole cultures will be destroyed. <clears throat> The hard part is actually making the determination as to which one, which ones are the ones worth saving. Because I can tell you for certain that Western civilization is not what it should be. Not even a little bit. And that should be disconcerting to everyone. And Russian civilization is not what it wants to be. Which I think they actually find significantly less uh, disconcerting because, well, what they want to be is where we were. Prosperous. Influential. Highly regarded. Proud. And I don't necessarily mean proud in the seven deadly sins sense. But in that a patriot can take pride in where he's from. A patriot doesn't have any problem with staying loyal to his nation when he seriously believes that his nation is aiming in the right direction. And, of course, I do know this from personal experience. All of these things are not part of the Russia-Ukraine narrative. You get pieces of them. I think it's remarkable that as I listen to Glenn Beck, and he was talking to, I think uh, the guy's name is Justin Haskins, Um, who's a producer on The Blaze and does a whole bunch of other stuff besides. But as they're talking, and I'm listening, and he's talking about what Vladimir Putin did for Russia, and all I can think is, man, I really wish someone would do that for the United States. And it's funny because he was talking about it like it was a bad thing. Except that it is very hard to say that saving your people from total destruction and doing everything that you can to rebuild the economy and bring back prosperity and reinstitute traditional Christian values into the fabric of society, you're not ever, it, like, no joke, it's, you're really not ever going to convince me that that's bad. 
And then when you add that to the fact that it is very likely that all of the crap that, that the West has said about Vladimir Putin has been nothing but propaganda brought about. Why? Because he's not in with the whole World Economic Forum technocratic union. <clears throat> and when I play the game, what's more likely? I find myself saying it is more likely that Putin is not the devil everyone says he is. Because everyone who says it is provably demonic. Everyone who says it shouts their abortions from the rooftops. Everyone who says it gets angry if you try to tell people that men and women are different. Everyone who says it are the same people who are trying to tell you that white means anybody who's an oppressor and people of color are always going to be the oppressed. These are the same people. And I know they're evil. I know they are completely lost. I know that God has given them up to all of their passions. And I know that they cannot be trusted. And because I know that they cannot be trusted, I will not comply yet again. I didn't comply with the COVID narrative and I will not comply with this narrative. You want to call me a Russian shill? Well, that's kind of hard for me to be because I am Spanish. I am Spanish of royal blood. And the same thing that Vladimir Putin seems to want for Russia, I want for Spain. I want it for Spain, and I want it for Spain's colonies. And you're not going to get that through Build Back Better. Our greatest weapon is prayer. Pray for the Holy Father to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Pray that God pours out his grace on the Holy Father to do exactly that. To the point where he even threatens excommunication to all of the, against all of the bishops who decide to not comply. <clears throat> so that the Pope, in union with all the world's bishops, can consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and put an end to the schism between Christian brethren. Pray that more Catholics take up the call. Because we can all see it, and I can see most of us fighting a, a not insubstantial amount of cognitive dissonance in this whole situation. Pray that we can beat the, can beat the war drums. Pray that the priests will ring the bells and call us to prayer. Pray that our nation, with its completely brain-dead leadership, does not 
stumble us into a third world war. But if that war comes, come Lord Jesus. And remember, no matter what, that it's not about whether or not we physically survive. It's whether or not we stay in a state of grace and obtain the grace of final perseverance. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.